so wonderful to be together as a group, as a church, and to praise the Lord Jesus because our lives have been saved through Jesus Christ. We have been new creations in Jesus Christ. I want to continue on my series, and I have come now to Acts chapter 20, and uh, so I'm going to read from Acts chapter 20, the verses 17 to 38. And uh, Paul's last meeting with the board in Ephesus, over the elders in Ephesus. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourself know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving your Lord with all humility, with tears and with trial, which came upon me through the plot of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. So Paul had also home group meetings there in Ephesus. Solemnly, solemnly testifying to you, to the Jews and Greek, of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me is in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear of myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that for all that all of you among whom I went about preaching the, the kingdom, will not longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that, in, that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I do not shrink, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard on guard for yourself and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseas to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The church belongs to only one. If you buy something, you pay for it, it belongs to you. And that's important here, what Paul says, that he purchased us with his blood. The church is not, this church is not Werner Schulz's church. 
This church belongs to Jesus. Amen? As you belong to Jesus. And I belong to Jesus. I've been bought with a price. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Can I hear an hallelujah? hallelujah. Yeah. You have not come to my church this morning. As people say, oh, I go to Pastor Werner's church. Don't come to Pastor Werner's church. It's the worst church in the world. But come to the church of Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. He is the owner of the church. And he has paid with his blood for you and me. Continuing verse 29. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own self, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish one another with tears. Tears are valuable in the sight of God. Listen. Tears are valuable in the sight of God. God counts the tears. And he will wipe away all the tears one day when we're in heaven. Amen? Hallelujah. And if you weep sometimes, rest assured, whatever you did for Jesus, even if it was with tears, was not in vain. God knows. And Paul was a man of God who admonished people and everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You yourself know that these hands ministered to my own need and to the men who were with me. In everything I showed, in everything I showed you, that by working hard in this manner, you should help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him. There was a holy brotherly kiss. The Bible speaks about this. And there's nothing wrong with that. Give me especially over the words which he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the shift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. It's a day you have made. And Lord, I thank you that you allow us here a little bit of a view into Paul's life and what he did for you. And we thank the Lord for all these apostles 
who went on preaching and it came to us even here to Australia. I thank you, Lord. And I bless your wonderful name, I pray. Bless this word to us, Lord, when I speak. Lord, that I might speak in grace and give grace to listen to your word and also grace to act upon your word in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now Paul, he met up with his group who were accompanying him, a traveling group in Assos, and then they went on from there to Miletus, where we read the scripture from. Paul gathered together the elders from the church of Ephesus. Ephesus was not far away from this. And he asked them, come, come to me, I have to talk to you. And then what did he say? And we learned something here, what Paul was saying. He reminded them on their first beginning. Do you remember when I came first to you in Ephesus? And when I set foot into Asia, do you remember this? Do you remember when I came to this church? Anybody here remembers? Perhaps the only one is Robert. The only one is Robert. He was there then too. And it's wonderful. And we see here, Paul was explaining all these things. And there was that place in Ephesus, and uh, it was wonderful. There were 12 disciples of, uh, of Apollos. And somehow he asked the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed? They said, well, we haven't known anything of the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you know something about the Holy Spirit? Without the Spirit of God, everything is dead. Without the Spirit of God, no one can come to the Lord because he must convict every person from sin, from righteousness, and from judgment. And these are the very important things Jesus spoke about when the Paracletus would come, the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of these things. And Paul, he baptized these people, these 12 disciples. And they then got baptized in the Holy Spirit, as we read very clearly in Acts 19, verse 6. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There was a real Pentecostal meeting. Have you ever been to a real Pentecostal meeting? Where people praise the Lord in other tongues and there will prophecies or interpretation of the tongues. That's something wonderful. And all these things are happening through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I must wonder. I had some guest speaker, praise the Lord, nothing wrong with them. But all they need is a glass of water. I said, I don't need water, I need fire. And there's a fire from the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And that's so good, praise the Lord. Now Paul 
was a humble apostle. That's what we read. And he said it, and I believe he was not lying. Paul reviewed his ministry. And that's wonderful. When we come to Jesus, something happening. The Lord has something in mind with you. Not just to become a nice pew warmer. When you come to Jesus, something the Lord will do in your life. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do as well. And Jesus said there in Matthew chapter 11, my dear friend Matthew, he is not here this morning. I love him so much. Isn't he a wonderful young man? Pastor Gary, give him my regards. And I feel to pray for him right now. Should I? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this young man, Matthew. Lord, he is so dedicated to you, and he loves you, Lord. And you know his ears, Lord, especially the ear that was operated on. I pray, touch him, heal him, O Lord, and let this healing process go forth in a wonderful way that he might be able in times to come to join us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. The next time when he comes, don't speak too loud. He is able to hear anything. So I heard that's the thing, you know, the ear becomes so sensitive. Hopefully he's not coming with earmuffs to church. <laughs> but uh, the Lord bless him. Give him my regards. Pass again. Now, when we come to Jesus, something God is doing. And if this is not happening in our lives, then our walk with Jesus is not right. Jesus invited there in Matthew chapter 11. That's why I came into, onto his name. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take your or my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. There are no hard burdens of Jesus. I heard it often, often, often. It's so hard to be a Christian nowadays. Either Jesus was wrong or you were wrong. Now choose who was wrong or who is wrong. The one who says this, he is definitely, definitely wrong. Jesus said, then my burden is light. Hallelujah. And we can lay off all our burdens to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord wants to change us, and that's why he calls us to him. And it is this, that we might become like Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's important. Usually people around us know whether we have been changed in the image of Jesus Christ or not. They will realize. They will see. 
Either you are changed character, changed person, more loving, more gentle, more humble, more serving the Lord. Now these are the things the Spirit of God will do in our life. And that's what Jesus said. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Don't learn from the pastor. Learn from me, from Jesus. That means you have to have a close relationship with him day by day and learn from me. Now we don't learn how to use or exercise power in the name of Jesus. People, many Christians, they all want to have power. 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 I tell you what, you need power to kneel down before the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. And whatever happened to your life, don't be afraid. Now power, imagine power in the hands of ungenerated people brings a Disaster brings a disaster. He, now, who are the ones who will inherit the earth? There's a prophecy or a promise. For some people, they will inherit the earth. Which people are these? Which one? They're meek. That means... If we are not meek through the Spirit of God, we will have no, no promise. And it will be true that we will rule with him, with Jesus, when he comes back. He is coming soon. He is coming soon. Hallelujah. And I want to be with Jesus. Blessed are the gentle, Matthew 5, 5. Matthew again. 5.5. Five. Blessed are the gentle, for they will or shall inherit the earth. Hallelujah. That's so important. It's not the Hitlers, nor the Stalins, nor the Mussolinis, nor even not the Muslims will inherit the earth. Amen. People are so scared and say, what, what is going on? So many mosques being built here and there. In Germany, Germany is flooded with, with people, with Muslim people. Will they inherit? And they said, yes, one day we will rule the world. I read something different. They might have read it in a wrong book, but the right book says that Jesus will Rule over all the earth. Hallelujah. Revelation 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. And he, um, he that accuses them before God day and night. Now we see here, not even the Antichrist will rule the earth. Amen? Who is it? 
God and his Christ. God and his Christ. They will rule the earth. Blessed be the wonderful name of Jesus. Now what is important? Which kind of people will inherit the earth? The rich? No. The meek ones. Amen. And if you want to live long, say, Lord, make me meek like you are. Jesus was meek. And he was humble. And Paul was humble too. All his ministry he did in humility. I've got two guys in my mind. James and John. Listen of what was said about them. In Luke chapter 9, 52 to 55, Jesus sent a few disciples ahead of him and they had to organize everything, perhaps uh, a hotel when Jesus was coming. And so, but he had plans to go to Samaria and he sent messengers on ahead to, of him and they went and entered a village of Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling to Jerusalem. They knew exactly these Samaritans. He is a Jew. And these people who are coming and arranging something for Jesus to come, they are Jews. And the Samaritan hated the Jews and vice versa because he was on the way to Jerusalem. And that meant he is certainly a Jew. Now when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? How gentle, isn't it? Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, James and John. And they said, do you not know what kind of spirit you are of? The Son of Man has not come to destroy, but to give life. And we see here, that was the character of people who were not changed as yet. But James, he changed at John too. John was the wonderful apostle of love. And John's preaching was often, children love each other. He was an old man. And he was on the island of Patmos. And James got changed too. And we read in James chapter 3 verse 7 verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior the deed in the gentleness of wisdom. These are words by the Holy Spirit of 
James. Now, God wants us to change that you and I get a changed character. Don't take Valium when you are nervous to calm down your nerves and so on and be humble. No, take Jesus. Let the Spirit of God fill you. And all these wonderful fruit or the wonderful fruit of the Spirit is there. Hallelujah. And there's certainly enough fruit for you and me for gentleness, humility, on everything the Lord wants us to be. Paul was serving with tears. And in verse 19, we can read it. I'm going to read it again. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plot of the Jews. Paul reminded himself and also the elders. And we know wherever Paul came and wherever Paul was, the only opposition he had was mostly, mostly by the Jews, wasn't it? By the Jews. Because they were behind him and tried to whip up some think against Paul. Now Paul was serving with tears. You know what that means? I think it was William Booth. Anybody knows or everybody knows who William Booth was. He was the, the founder of the Salvation Army. Then he called them Salvation Army, not Salvos. He called them Salvation, and this word has such an impact. Salvation. And salvation only comes from the Lord, from God. And he sent a married couple to a new place in order to start a church. And this married couple went to a place and they were preaching and doing everything they could. But it was not successful. They were so disappointed and wrote a letter to William Booth and said, we have done everything. We have done everything. It's just such a hard place where we are. There's no fruit and William Booth wrote back, try it with tears. Try it with tears. What he wanted to say is, you have to have a compassion for every soul. And Paul said here, I was admonishing the people day and night with tears. Was he a softy somehow? No. He prayed and prayed for the church and for the people. And if you pray and cry and weep before the Lord, there is fruit, hallelujah. After every soul or day when you saw the seed, you expect the rain to come. You expect the rain to come. 
And he wrote back, try it with tears. Do you catch the thought of William Booth? Do you catch it? That's what he said. And William Booth did a great work. Hallelujah. Now, tears are blessed in the sight of God. Not tears in anger. No, 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 no. Tears of gentleness, humility. You pray for a person so long. And nothing happened. And Paul says, and I admonish you from house to house with tears. Could you imagine Paul crying, and he was crying perhaps often. Now, we read something from the captives in Babylon. In Psalm 137, verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. We wept. We were sitting down and we wept. What tears were they? What do you reckon? Perhaps tears of deep repentance. They knew we are here in Babylon because we are disobeying God back in Jerusalem. And when we got remembered at Jerusalem, then we could not others but sitting down and weeping and weeping and weeping. These were perhaps tears of repentance and praise the Lord. I've seen many often when people came to the Lord and were crying over their sins and did repent before God. Some others come quickly and say, oh, it's all right, it's all right. No, no, no. Let them cry before the presence of God. Don't come around and say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. No, it's okay then when the tears have been run out and the joy of the Lord will come. Hallelujah. Listen. After a night of tears, a day of joy will come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This happened to these people there in Babylon. They were crying and perhaps they did repent of the sins which they did. In Psalm 125, those who saw in tears shall reap with what? With what? Joyful shouting. Hallelujah. Those who, are, who have sown with tears, they will re rejoice and shall reap with rejoiceful shouting. Isn't it wonderful? Whenever what you have prayed so long for, perhaps in tears at night, 
these tears have been counted before God. And you will come and reap with joyful shouting, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Now my last son has been saved. The things I've been praying for has come to pass. Paul's ministry was soaked with tears. Otherwise he wouldn't have mentioned this. That was his ministry in Ephesus. And we know, of course, the uproar that was happening there. You know, the Ephesians, they took that uh, statue of Diana and carried it around and they were screaming through the streets, Great is Diana, the Ephesians. And Paul, he has prayed for that city. And he said, well, I... I have been praying, I have been with many tears doing the work. John was serving the Lord in spite of trials. Do you know what the word trials really means? It's not an easy breezing through life. Anybody had trials in his life. Hand up. I had trials. Oh boy. I had trials. But I tell you what, Paul had trials and he said very clearly that even in the trials he was serving the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, opposition are God's spiritual gyms. You know what I'm adding to us? where I'm heading towards. Trials is the time where you build up your spiritual strength. Hallelujah. You're not sitting there flat and say, well, I can't do anything. No, have you ever been in a gym? Anybody here? Yes. Barney. My, My wife. Anybody else? The young man, they always, you also. They want to go to gym and what do you want, what do they want to do? Build up the muscles. That when young girls look at them, their shirts, their sleeves should pump up, you know. Now, that's what trials are. Your spiritual strength to build up. Hallelujah. And Paul got so strong in all these trials, hallelujah. And I look at old Job. Anybody heard in the Bible from Job? Blessed old Job, hallelujah. And when I think of him, he had trials, boy, oh boy. So many trials. You would have given up many times and you perhaps would have listened to his wife saying, do you still cling to your integrity? Curse God and die. Finish off the whole thing. Having such a voice in your back head always. 
But what did Job say? Hallelujah. Chapter 19, 25. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will take his stand on the earth. Hallelujah. Don't do what your wife says. Sometimes it's good to do what your wife says. But if your wife comes along like this from behind and says, Well, do you still believe in Jesus? Don't you see everything is so hard? And we as Christians, we always have hardships, hardships. Everything is against us. Praise the Lord. You're building up your strength in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, Job was building up his strength. Hallelujah. And even, and even when his grandchildren, now we as elderly people, we are so happy about our grandchildren. Is anybody here who has grandchildren? Hand up. Wonderful. Oh, that's even better. Even better. Now these grandchildren, perhaps they might have lived with him in one tent. And we read there, Job 19, 18, even young children despise me. I rise up and they speak against me. And I read it in the complete Jewish Bible. The complete Jewish Bible says this. They start yearing at me. That means they were mocking at me. Is it the right expression, jeering? Yes? Does it mean something to you? That means so, so much. They were mocking at me. When his grandchildren saw him getting up, so skinny as he was, and as he tried to get up. They were mocking at him. Imagine your grandchildren would mock at you. Yes. That was hard for him. This was hard muscle building or heavy lifting. But he had the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we have got a little girl this morning here. Her name is being called after one of the beautiful new daughters of Job. Now, what is the name? What? Yes, I want to hear the, from the mother. Jemima. Jemima, yes. We see here... Job was strong. These sufferings he went through didn't crush him. Sufferings you are going through do never crush you. Only sin would crush you. Disobedience would crush you. But not the heavy times. Hallelujah. You will say one day, I know that my Redeemer liveth, hallelujah. And at the last, he will stand on the earth. And I will look at him. I will look at him. 
and say, Lord, it was worth it, worth the while to go all these sufferings. It was worthwhile to cry all these tears because you brought me through and nothing and nobody can take me away from Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My Jesus, I love you. I know thou art mine. Hallelujah. The things of the world can never ever make me heavy or happy. These things will pass away. And then I have to conclude soon. Paul, when he had these elders around him, it was perhaps on the beach, on the east coast of the Mediterranean beach. And they were all standing there and then he looked in the future because the Spirit of God in every place told him what is going to happen with his future life. And he said, bonds were waiting for me in Jerusalem. Paul was prepared to become a prisoner of Christ. And all the letters he writes, he always alludes to them. An apostle and a prisoner of Christ. A doulos, a slave of Christ. And he even didn't estimate his own life for anything to be counted. Have you come to this place? People might say something about you that might not be right. And then all of a sudden, righteousness rises up in you. Righteousness rises up. And so, well, this has to be set straight. I'm not going to let it sit on me. Paul was a doulos, a slave of Jesus Christ. Whatever people said about him, he didn't care. I belong to Jesus. And he said, I do not estimate or do not count my life for something. He has given up his life to Jesus. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Let them tell what they want about you. I've been called a sect preacher. Yes, a sect preacher. Are you a sect here? What? In the eyes of the world, we might be perhaps. Yes, there was a roadblock for me in a little village in Ostfriesland where I preached and where I taught and young people wanted to get baptized and I went there in order to, to teach them what baptism is 
and had a nice little car, new car. And when I came out of the house, guess where my car was? I only saw the back of my car. There was a very deep ditch. They pushed the car into the ditch. And I couldn't get it out. It was an, an area where farmers were. And the sister from that house, whose children wanted to be baptized, went to one of the farmer's neighbor, and they got a tractor and pulled my new car out. Praise the Lord. And these were the people who called me, not the sister, but those in the world. A sect preacher. Hallelujah. 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 Paul, he prided himself and he spoke about the Christian whom they call a sect. Whom they call a sect. Because they were Christians. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Those who saw with tears will reap with joy, full of joy, shouting hallelujah. That day is going to come because God's word is true. Whatever might be, I don't know. But Paul knew. And he said, well, I, I do not count my life very, very special. But all he knew, I'm going to be as a doulos of Christ, a slave of Christ. Hallelujah. The much you suffer from trials and how you react to these trials shows me and shows yourself whether one day you will be rejoicing in reaping. If you react in anger and all these things, don't wait for a glorious morning. But if you say, Lord, you know all the tears. You know what these people do to me. You know, you know it. Who cares? Jesus does. Amen? He never promised us a smooth sailing. I, did, I certainly didn't have it. And if you follow Jesus, you certainly won't have a smooth sailing. But one thing I can promise you. He will be with you. He will be with you in the gym. You understand this sentence? He will be with you in the gym. That's perhaps should have been the title of my sermon this morning. Hallelujah, Lord, you're so good. Lord, you know each and every one, Lord. 
You know the condition of everyone here this morning. We want to strengthen ourselves in you, Lord. And even in trials, you will give strength to us that you might overcome us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I bless each and everyone here this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 God bless you. Don't run out of the gym of God. Hallelujah. Keep exercising and you will be strong in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's it. God be with you.